is Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your home for common sense science-based health care. Here's your host, Dr. T.J. Williams. With me, as always, is Aaron. Hi. So today on the show, we, we have a very interesting show. Um, we are going to talk about refined flour. Um, we get asked about this one quite frequently. This is a topic that we get talk, asked about like in our day-to-day practice, all kinds of stuff. People are just always- in life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in life. Just general, like just or hanging just, out somewhere. Or not even asked, but like- you know, there are just a lot of misconceptions out there. That's, um, that's you know, true. People are just really confused, I think. Yeah, we we can tell because we get these questions like, well, what do you think about flour? <laughs> that's that's a that's a a, a very uh, um, what's what's the words I'm looking for? It's a it's a common type of question to ask when the person re, when we realize that they're getting lots of misinformation from other things. So they've heard both sides of the story, like it's a problem or it's not. You know, typically we get the well, what do you think about this? Because they're they're trying to get clarity on the information. So we're going to try to shed a little bit of clarity on refined flour. Um, now, flour, flour falls in the carbohydrate category. And according to dietary guidelines in the United States, um, they recommend that the average American consume somewhere between 225 and 325 grams of carbohydrates per day. That's a lot of carbs. Um, unfortunately, a lot of our our intake in this country in carbohydrates doesn't come from fruits and vegetables. It comes from... Which are carbohydrates. Which are carbohydrates. (laughs) People don't think of them as carbohydrates, but they are. That's right. Um, They they come in the form of of refined flour, things like cookies, cakes, breads, pastas, things like that. Cereal. Cereal. That's how how we as Americans are consuming our carbohydrates. Right. And for a while there, I mean, I think a lot of people thought of, you know, refined flour because it was of as being pure. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was something that, you know, had all of the impurities taken out of it, which now we know... um, really not a good thing. Yeah, really what it is is high calorie, nutrient poor, just it's just terrible. Um so as as we do more and more research, as more and more information comes out, they're starting to show over and over again that there are very there are there are a bunch of adverse health effects that come from consuming refined flour. There just are. It's just not it's not good for us. So if we go back in history and just, you know, give a little bit of background information, so the as best as we can identify the the first time that humans consumed grain was around 23 24,000 years ago or so back in in what is known as now Israel. And basically archaeologists have they've you know they do all these archaeological digs in that area and they found um these art these stone artifacts that had grains they looked they they uncovered things that looked like um, hearths, these oven-like hearth type things. And the assumption or presumption is that these things were used to, you know, process grains, bake breads, things like that, what we would normally use use an oven for. And so then fast forward, uh, you know, a few thousand years, say about 12 of them, um, then we started getting into storing grain and then domesticating grain. And so that's about the time that the agricultural revolution kind of started. Um, so we went from you know hunter gatherers 
and we we switched from a very nomadic style of life into a you know into agriculture into farming and basically that changed human the human diet and so if we go back to you know 12,000 years ago up until about 200 years ago humans ate the grain as in its in its whole form right they ate the unrefined form now grains have have components to them. There there are parts to to grain, and I don't think a lot of people realize what we're talking about when we talk about refined flour. So actual whole grain contains three parts. It contains the germ, and the germ is the basic reproductive part of the grain. Then there's the bran, which is this hard outside layer of the of the grain. It's what provides the the grain with protection. And then there's the endosperm. The endosperm of the grain is the starchy inner portion, right? That's the refined when we when we when we use processes to remove the germ and the bran and we're left with that inner layer, that inner starchy stuff, that endosperm, that's what refined flour or refined grains are. So over over years and years and years people tried to sift this stuff out. They they've you know, we're trying to refine this and get the get the bigger chunks out, get rid of the brand, get rid of the germ. But it was around um, 1870 when the roller mill. So if you guys remember the, if you can picture in your mind's eye, this big stone <laughs> I don't wheel. Think a lot of us remember it. <laughs> yeah, this big stone. Well, if you remember Back from like history. Well, I mean, some people might have been around in 1870. I mean, some people look like they were around in 1870. Um, this this big stone wheel, and on top of it is another stone wheel setting perpendicular, and that had a big long arm on it. And typically, there was an ox or a or a mule or a horse or something attached to that, walking around. And they were, you know, they had grain on the on the on that horizontal piece of stone, and that was just crushing the grain. That's the the beginning of the that's the roller mill, and started to you know, mill flour. And so that's when we started milling this thing into this very highly refined white powder, which is what we think of as flour today. When you go to the grocery store and you buy a five pound bag of flour, you're not buying whole flour. You're not getting all three parts. You're getting just the inside portion of that. And so, you know, when when they first introduced that into society and it started being available, it was extremely expensive because it, there was a huge effort to process this stuff and, and get it down to its, its most basic forms. So initially, it did not last very long. This stuff wasn't, wasn't around. Um, you know, it was this whole white flour thing. And so it was, it was super expensive, and it didn't last very long. But as the, as the milling techniques got better and better, and as we developed technology, and we were able to do this stuff cheaper and cheaper, the cost of it went lower and lower and lower. And so there's, there's a lot of things that go into the, you know, into the history of this. I'm just kind of trying to give a brief, brief lesson here. But they figured out that when the, the, they could store it so much longer when they removed the germ and the brand from this stuff, that this white inner, inner uh, center of the grain stored so much longer. Right, because by removing the germ, they also removed the naturally occurring oil. So really what then happened is we went from something that was super expensive and was really only for the rich to now being available to everyone. We went from super exclusivity to the masses. And once it went to the masses, now that becomes a staple 
of diet all over the place. And it's a staple of the, quote, Western diet. And so then fast forward into many of you's lifetime that are listening out there, or at least in your parents' lifetime. So in the 70s, the government released the low-fat dietary guidelines. And that's where everything just kind of took a just horrible, horrible, disastrous <laughs> turn. I mean, that's when everything started promoting all of the chronic diseases that we have now. Right. Intense fear of fat. Yeah. They just said, you can't have fat and all this. I mean, it's just and such, increased carbohydrates. such wrong information. Let's yeah. fill people. And, and people listened. How do we know they listened? They listened because we know now that, that high levels of carbohydrates and sugars in the diet cause obesity. It causes type 2 diabetes. It causes heart disease. What do we have now? We have epidemic proportions of heart disease, diabetes, and, and obesity. I mean, we've got two-thirds of the population obese or overweight. We've got half of everyone in this country dying from heart disease, and diabetes is on just this diabolical rise. It's just insanity. So people listened. People followed this d diet blindly without any real information. The, the, the lies that they were fed and the lies that we've been told are just crazy. And now we, we're coming back and we're trying to undo this and those of us that are out here on the front line saying hey look listen this is wrong we're looked at like we have three heads well but let's okay i mean and i agree with you but i also think that i mean i would love it if someone told me i could just eat bread and cereal and i'm going to lose weight instead of someone saying nope you actually have to eat organic fruits and vegetables and you know locally raised meat and right but the government has gone along and subsidized these terrible foods <laughs> So low, so much that they're they're super cheap to do. I mean, they if if we would come along and stop subsidizing that crap and start subsidizing, put that same money into fruits and vegetables and organic produce, and and real actual or wild gra uh, grass fed meats, we completely change health and wellness in this country. You could completely reverse some of this stuff. Oh, I I agree. I'm just saying this is why we're having trouble, kind of you know motivating the masses is because we would all, you know, love it if it were true that we could just eat, you know, cookies and cereal and bread and be healthy. Yeah, it'd also be great if we, you know, if, well, I'll, I'll let, it, let it go. <laughs> I had a lot to say there. I'll just leave, I'll just leave that alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because that guy get out of control in a hurry. But that's the problem. The problem with refined flour is that I mean, luckily, we've got some nutritionists out there and nutrition scientists out there that are finally starting to show there's there's nothing healthy about refined flour. It raises our insulin. It raises our blood sugar. It causes our metabolic system to completely become dysfunctional. We It depletes nu nutrients. It has very, very terrible, harmful additives for us. I mean, it, and it displaces healthier foods from the diet. If you're busy eating all of this refined flour, you don't have room to eat healthy stuff. And that becomes a problem. All right, we've got to take a break. Um, when we come back, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about a little more about the metabolic effects of consuming this, you know, white devil that it is <laughs> we, that we've come to love as as uh, as white flour. You're listening to Wellness 101. Say, 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 hey, 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 now, baby. 
And welcome back to the show, everyone. So today on the show, we're talking about um, refined flour and all the bad stuff that comes with refined flour. And we basically went through the history of it in the first segment. And I, I kind of went on a rant. Um, and I might go on a couple of more in this show because this, this is a topic that I kind of tend to, to rant on. Um, but before the break, I said that, that we were when we came back, I was going to talk a little bit more about some of the metabolic effects that happen with eating refined flour. So, again, it has to do with the fact that refined flour has this super, super high starch content, and it doesn't have fiber. It doesn't have fiber because the bran and the germ have been removed from the grain itself. And so what this does is when you take out fiber from anything, you you cause a rapid increase in blood sugar. This is no different than than when you juice a I was just going to say that. Oh, look at you. Look, yeah. look at that. We're on the same page. Imagine that. <laughs> this it's no different than when you juice a fruit. If you consume the fruit whole, and get everything in it, you get the fiber with it. It has less of an impact on your on your blood sugar. When you juice a a fruit, what you're left with is you've got the juice in one and on one side, but you've got all the fiber and all the things that that decrease the the blood sugar spike in the other. So blood so the blood sugar when you consume that juice just skyrockets. Right now, I want to caveat with that. I mean, we're not going to get into juicing, but there are some benefits to juicing. And yeah. we're just talking strictly about the blood sugar effects. I mean, so I know. So for all of you, they're going to pounce on that right, and, exactly. and send a comment. And, oh my gosh. Yeah. That, just ease that's up. That's not the benefit of juicing. Okay. Yeah. And we get that, but we're just strictly talking about blood sugar effects. And in that respect, it's the same thing. When you take out the fiber, your blood sugar is going to spike. So so with the blood sugar spike, you get this massive hyperglycemic or high, high blood sugar spike. And right behind it comes this really high insulin spike. So you're hyperglycemic and hyperinsulinemic. So this this spike causes then a crash. Everything that goes up must come down. That's what happens here. So we get massive blood sugar swings when we're when we're consuming um, refined flour. Now over time. That one time doesn't really do a lot to you, but over time, it's the repeated consumption of this stuff and this repeated blood sugar swings, this is what increases your risk of all chronic disease, things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, obesity, it's coming. It's just a nature of the beast. The more you eat, the more the blood sugar is going to swing, the more you're at risk for developing these chronic diseases. And then you have the side effects of all that. I mean, it's just not good for our system metabolically. I mean, one of the biggest things that we do in functional medicine is we help people get their blood sugar under control by getting rid of the crap in their diet that they shouldn't be eating. That's a that's a key piece of the puzzle, right? You can't outrun a bad bad diet. I don't care how hard you try. It just it's just not going to work. And so not only are we dealing with the the blood sugar swings, the refined flour doesn't have any nutrients in it, right? So when in the refining process, there is a loss of the fiber, there's a loss of B vitamins, you lose iron, you lose magnesium, you lose vitamin E, and the list goes on and on. I could continue on and on. But what I think a lot of people get fooled by is they see on the packaging for this stuff that it's enriched wheat flour. Well, that 
doesn't really mean anything. Right. And when I say that, you know, I mean, we started the show saying, well, we get a lot of questions about this in our everyday life. It's really things like this where people will say, well, I, I got wheat bread, you know, and it's so it's fine. Wheat bread isn't really doesn't mean anything. Flour comes from wheat. I mean, they might as well call it flour bread. Right. As you it's get the white same bread thing. Or you get brown bread. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's both white. It's just colored a little differently. Yep. I mean, it's just sad. Um, and so what what they've done with this enriched enriched wheat flour all they've done they the manufacturers understand that all of these nutrients have been stripped away and what they're doing is they're trying to make a feeble attempt to put some of the nutrients back and so they put vitamins and things back into the into the dough when they're making it because they know that the stuff has been stripped out already and the problem is they could put a 10 times the amount of nutrients back in. It's not going to it's not going to outweigh the negative effects of the blood sugar spike by consuming the the enriched flour anyway. Right? It's just canceling out the benefits of it. So it makes no sense. I mean, and it's not just the word enriched. Fortified is the same thing. I mean, there's other products out there like calcium or milk is fortified with calcium and vitamin D. That just means that they had to add it because the process of making the milk, you lost that stuff. So they put it back in. It, 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 it's, it's a nutrient. It, it, it's a, it's a, 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 not a nutrient-dense food. It's just high in calories, no nutrients, and we have a problem. Because the nutrients they're putting in are not high-quality nutrients. They're not putting in activated forms of B vitamins. They're not putting in activated forms of these nutrients. They're giving you the cheapest things that they can find. That's why your loaf of bread still costs 70 cents. Right? It just does, or a dollar, whatever it is. I don't know. That shows you how much I know how much bread say, costs. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember the last <laughs> it, time. If someone's, got, if someone's got an updated price on bread, let Since me know. Since we've been together, I don't know that we've ever bought a loaf of bread, so I, I don't know. No, no it's just <laughs> terrible. Um, and the occasion, well, occasionally we've had like a gluten-free bread because we've got people coming over and we're like, okay, well, we'll we, we'll have something. It's just not something that we, that yeah, we have. But I do know that that's more expensive because, do you remember, was like... Thanksgiving a year or so ago, and my mom was going to make us gluten-free stuffing, and my dad, oh, yeah. she sent my dad to the store, and he called. And he was like, you want me to spend this amount of money for a loaf of bread? And that she, just goes to show you how cheap bread is. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that it was that much of a difference, but yeah, apparently. It shows what we know. <laughs> and it shows how well my parents follow yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, that's, that, that is true. Uh so anyway, it just the there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on with with losing the nutrients and stuff. It's just a big deal. And then you have the process of making it. So unfortunately, there's a lot of chemical compounds that are used when we're taking whole grain flour and we're turning it into this refined white flour. So there's there's one of the, one of the things that's used is this this compound called potassium bromate. So potassium bromate, bromate is derived from bromine. Now, bromine is a halide. It's a chemical that, um, in the, if you remember your periodic table of elements, on the right-hand column, I think it's the second from the right side, is your maybe third. I don't know. I'm not that familiar. But you have halides. They're all in the same column. So chloride, fluorine, bromine, and iodine are are all in the same vertical column. You can go check it out yourself. Go to any periodic table of elements. It'll take you right back to the nightmarish high school chemistry years that we all had to suffer through. But all of those things, any of those chemical compounds, doesn't matter what it is, will displace iodine. 
And bromide is no different. And so this chemical displaces it throughout the whole body, and it can have very bad effects on the thyroid. So we have massive – let's just think about this. We have an a ever-growing number of thyroid conditions. We have a, an ever-increasing number of autoimmune thyroid, and we have massive consumption of highly refined flour. Is there a coincidence? No. It makes perfect sense. The more flour we consume, the more thyroid problems we're going to have because we're displacing iodine. The, the thyroid has to have iodine to function properly. It just can't work otherwise. Another thing that's used is chlorine gas. Chlorine, again, is a halide. It's in the same vertical column. This screws up the thyroid as well. But not only that, chlorine goes through these oxidation reactions with the proteins in the flour, produces these these compounds, this this toxic byproduct called aloxan, I think is how you pronounce that, or aloxan, something like that. Um, it's a it's a byproduct that causes, and when they take that chemical and they put that stuff into rats and mice, it causes diabetes. So we're literally using a compound to make a food product that is known to cause diabetes in mammals. I don't care if it's a lab rat. It makes no difference. It's creating diabetes in a mammal, right? This is a problem. So that's it's just frustrating. And then another thing that they use, they use benzoyl peroxide. Benzoyl peroxide is a bleaching agent, right? It, it helps create this uniformed white color to the flower, right? This is the exact same compound that is used in a lot of acne medications. If you're if you've got a like an acne face wash or you know some sort of acne um, um, ointment that you put on your skin and you look, it's it probably has benzoyl peroxide in it. So something that gets rid of acne, we're consuming because it's what's used to bleach the flower. I mean, just think about the magnitude of what we're saying. This is just three chemicals that is in that I'm talking about that's in white flour. This stuff is not healthy for us in any way, shape, or form. It just can't possibly be. Now, one of the other things that I said, uh, I think in the first segment, is when we're consuming, white flour has, has, we consume so much of it, like I said, in the form of breads, pastas, cookies, cakes, etc. We're, we're consuming so much of it that we don't have room to eat healthier foods, right? We don't have room to eat. I mean, when was the last time you ate a big bowl of pasta and then finished it, you know, and washed it down with uh, with some vegetables? It just doesn't happen. I mean, we've all been there at some point in time. We've been at the we've been at the pasta place and they bring out this huge plate and we eat and we eat and we eat and we swear to God it's growing on the plate as we're eating because there's no possible way we could finish it. Are we going to go and wash that down with some nice, you know, organic vegetables? No, it's not something that we do because we don't have room for that anymore. We've, we've stuffed ourselves on, you know, pasta and breadsticks and we don't have room for anything else. How healthy is that for us? There's no possible way that we're, that we can expect health when we're eating such garbage. It just can't happen. All right, we got to take another break. Sorry, I got on another little rant there. Um, when we come back, I want to start talking about some of the harmful effects that refined flour has on a human being. You're listening to Wellness 101. Are we too prone to play around? Young enough to chase, but old enough to know better. Are we too prone to change? Are we too prone to mess around? 
Hey, and welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, if you're just tuning in, um, Aaron and I have been talking about refined flour and the dangers of refined flour consumption and how terrible this stuff is for human consumption, why we shouldn't be eating it, all the, you know, some of the chemicals that are in it and what they do. It's just not good for us. Right. And I, mean, I know we, I, we could literally stop the show right there. Just repeat it's bad. White flour is bad for us. White flour is bad for us over and over and over again. But I know, you know, you said that you were going to get into some of the harmful effects that, you know, refined flour um, has. But before we get started, I wanted to talk just a tiny bit about, um, you know, these products that say they're whole grain, because I know that that comes up a lot. And it actually came up recently. I had a conversation with a friend who was saying um, that the conversation actually was about uh, our kids and snacks. And she was saying that she was having a hard time because her daughter was wanting to eat a snack instead of dinner. And she's like, how do you get around that? And I'm like, well, what are you giving her? And she's like, well, goldfish crackers. She's like, they're, you know, whole grain and they're, you know, baked. And, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I mean, there's the problem. I'm like, why does that matter to you? She's like, well, it's healthier. And I'm like, in what healthier than what? Because I mean, my thing is, I mean, we don't limit our son. Like I, if he wants a snack, he can have a snack. His snacks are vegetables. So, I mean, that's what he eats every once in a while. He has some fruit. Um, but so if he is claiming and, and, he's and he hungry, eats meat as much as he wants. Yeah. I mean, so it's the snacks are no different than the meals. And that makes snacks not a huge deal. But that just went to show me that there is so much misconception out there. And so I just wanted to, you know, kind of touch upon this. Because I think a lot of people listening uh, we, will we say, could make, oh, but what I'm giving them is whole grain, so could, it's okay. We could make millions of dollars if we just packaged up garbage, slapped healthier snack or healthier option on the label and sold it. I think people would buy it. Well, they already do. That's, yeah, that's in, in the form of goldfish crackers. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, goldfish crackers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, there are there things that are worse? Yeah, but I mean, and we, you know— like what, I'm, cocaine? I mean, is, well, it's not much worse. I mean, we're talking about something that's highly addictive, refined. It's right. got it's got color so additives to it. why is that normal to give kids? I don't know. I don't understand. And I, But I, the thinking is that, oh, well, it's whole grain. It's okay. The other thinking, like I said, was, you know, she said, well, it's baked. And I said, well, why is baked better? Is your daughter on a low-fat diet? <laughs> I mean, like she's three. Um, I don't no, get it. your three-year-old should not be on a low-fat diet. Feed <laughs> so, them as much yeah, fat as they can possibly That's why we're laughing. Get. Yes, they should not be on a low-fat diet. Never. But she's like, well, it's better than fried. I'm like, in what oil? I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, maybe if we're talking about a really, you know, a bad oil. Oil, yeah. Then, you know, and some, but I mean, then you're you're really choosing between two poisons, right? I mean, like, right. so neither is good. But anyway, I just wanted to talk about the fact really quickly that, you know, this thought that if it says it's whole grain on the package, it's okay. Yeah, whole grain, whole, that's a good point. Whole grain makes zero difference whatsoever. All flour is processed and refined the exact same way. Even with whole grain, they are refining this stuff down all the way down to the white flour. And then all they're doing with whole grain is they're adding a little bit of the germ that we talked about in the first segment. And they're adding a little bit of the bran that we talked about in the first segment. They're just adding that back. And they're adding just enough so that they can call it, quote, whole grain. It has nothing to do with the fact that you're getting the whole grain. Like it, it, If you were getting whole grain bread, it would be a completely different color than what you're used to seeing, quote, whole grain bread being. Right. It's just, I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, it's what 
we're able to do in this country as far as it, labeling and, right. and it's marketing. It's a marketing gimmick. Yeah, I mean, that's it all it is. And we're buying into it. And that's, you know, I mean, hey, I think you, that's what's If you tell a lie enough, they'll be, start to believe it. Right. And I mean, especially, I think that, you know, we've talked about that before, but I think that's especially true with, um, you know, parents who are really trying to do what is best for their kids. Yeah. So when it says that on the package, you're like, okay, you know. It's, and then they see the commercials about how this is a healthy snack for yeah, your kid. You can feel good about giving this to your child. It's like, well, well you shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> you really shouldn't. Um, and then they wonder why their kid is sick all the time, has you know, is hyperactive, is ADD, and you know. wants snacks instead of dinner. Yeah, right. and wants to eat sugar instead of and, and flour instead of dinner. Makes, I mean, anyway. but then I have to say kudos to you for having a decent dinner, right? Because. A lot of people have snacks of refined grains and dinner of refined grains. So yeah, maybe there is, yeah, maybe you're doing something right. Yeah, that's true. If you're, if you're trying to get them to stop eating the goldfish so they can come and eat the macaroni the and, and cheese, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> we missed the point. Right. <laughs> we, we failed as your public service announcement at our job. Sorry. <laughs> oh, anyway. All right. So, so are you ready to move ahead? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Some other things that we that I want to talk about are just some of the the harmful health effects that consuming refined flour can have on the body. Well, we've got a list of them. We'll just get through as many as we can get through on the show, and we'll just you know I don't want to say that we got you know fifty of them that we're going to get through. So we, we don't may have only 50. get through yeah we don't, but we may <laughs> we only may only get through a few of them. So I just want to talk about some of these that we that we can so we can get through them. So the the first thing that I want to talk about is refined flour does not help our health. It does not improve our health. It doesn't make us healthier. It's not good for us. It increases our risk. And research is backing this all over the place. It increases our risk for weight gain, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, cognitive decline, so our brain function goes down, um, food addiction, depression, cancer, acne, the list goes on and on. I could keep rattling heart on. Heart disease. I don't know if you said heart disease. I don't um, know if I did there are either. a bunch of them. Yeah. There's a ton. There's so many things that, that flour does to the human body that we could avoid. I mean, Right. And one of the biggest things, I'm sorry, I didn't no, mean to cut you off. One of the biggest things, I think, is weight gain and obesity. Oh, my gosh. Weight gain and obesity is, is crazy. And, I mean, we've got two-thirds. We've got, Like I said earlier, we've got an obesity epidemic. We've got two-thirds of the American population that is either overweight or obese. Two-thirds. That's crazy. I just saw something on the news the other day. Uh, CBS Evening News, maybe the Today Show, something. There was a, there was a little snippet that I caught, and I, I, I kicked myself for not backing up and re- listening to that. But it was something about how by 2050, we were going to have— 40 or 50 percent of the population obese. Holy cow. I mean, it's one thing to be, you know, to have two thirds of the population be overweight and obese. So one of the two categories, it's a whole other thing if we've got half the population that's obese. Holy Lord, that's going to be way more than 62 thirds of the population, more than 66 percent of us that are that are overweight or obese. I mean, it's just it's. When we consume refined flour, it just screws up the body's ability um, to to burn fat. Like it, we just completely 
change our body's ability to burn fat. We switch over into sugar burning. As long as we're burning sugar, we're not burning fat. And the human body was meant to burn fat. We're meant to burn fat all the time. If we're sitting at rest, if we're exercising at a steady state, say we're out for a jog, if we're walking, we're meant to burn fat all the time, except when we're fighting for our lives or running for our lives. Fight or flight was the mechanism in which we are supposed to burn sugar. It's help it's a it's a safety mechanism to help us get out of trouble, right? All kinds of chemical things take place in the body, biochemical, physiological, all this stuff takes place. But under normal circumstances in a normal individual, while we're at rest, we burn fat. The majority of our fuel source is fat through this process called beta oxidation. But that that relies heavily on this nutrient called carnitine. If we don't have carnitine, we can't get this stuff in. Well, carnitine comes from meat, right? And we're consuming less meat now and more refined sugar. So we're flipping ourselves into a refined flour, which is a form of carbohydrate, which is a highly refined sugar. We're switching ourselves into this sugar burning mode, which promotes weight gain. And it hinders our ability to actually burn fat. We physiologically can't burn fat while we're burning sugar like that. It just doesn't work the same. That's what's going on with a diabetic. All diabetics have to switch themselves over to burning fat. That's how they'll start to reverse things. Well, type 2 diabetics. Did we get into that? We did. I just kind of switched into weight gain and obesity. I just kind of parlayed right into that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, so the second thing we're going to talk about is metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes because that's another one of the major harmful effects of refined flour. And so that's the whole point of this whole metabolic dysregulation. What you end up with is metabolic syndrome or type 2 diabetes, right? We've got 35% of the population with either prediabetes or full-blown diabetes. I mean, that's entirely too much. Um, and the number is growing. What's that? I mean, it's 100 million people. So if you're sitting there in your car listening and you've got Two other people in the room, one of you has diabetes or prediabetes. And the people that have prediabetes, most of them don't even actually know. Right? right? They just don't, that's just something that they don't even know is going on. And prediabetes is a condition. I know we've talked about that before, but a lot of people are like, well, I'm not to an actual problem yet. Oh, no, you have a huge problem. <laughs> prediabetes is a th- it's a bad thing, and you already have an issue. Right. You should never become prediabetic. No. <laughs> All right, we got to take another break. Um, when we come back, um, I want to continue talking a little bit about metabolic syndrome, and then I want to get into some of the cardiovascular dangers that come with um, consuming refined flour. You're listening to Wellness 101. the show everyone if you're just tuning in today on the show we've been talking about refined flour and how terrible this is for human consumption um you know it this is one of those things that probably should come with a warning um and so right before the break we were talking about how um you increase your risk of of type 2 diabetes um and metabolic syndrome when consuming high amounts of well really it's not even high amounts when consuming white flour so, I mean, it causes insulin resistance, which is a huge predictor for metabolic syndrome and diabetes, right? We've got 
the the people who eat the most refined carbohydrates. So there's a study out there. So they compared people that eat the most amount of car- refined carbohydrates to those who eat the least amount. The people that eat the most amount are 41% higher risk of developing metabolic syndrome, which is going to directly lead to type 2 diabetes. It's just one of the things that's coming, right? So, I mean, you're that's that's a huge increased risk, right? And I mean, it when we switch out refined grains for whole grains, according to the US guidelines, I don't know who sets these guidelines, but they I don't I don't I think they don't understand physiology. When they when they switch out refined grains for whole grains, all you're seeing are very, very tiny improvements in blood sugar numbers. You've got to get rid of this stuff. There's no, oh, well, if you switch from refined grains to whole grains, that's better. No, 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 no. We've got to get rid of that stuff. You can't consume that stuff at all. If you have a health concern, you've got diabetes or metabolic syndrome or prediabetes, and you want to turn it around, you've got to stop eating refined flour, period, cut and dried. And if you're my patient, I'm going to tell you that directly to your face. This is what has to happen. If you want to improve, these are the things that you have to do. And one of the big ones is cut out refined flour. No more breads, no more cakes, no more cookies, no more pasta. It's all got to go out of the diet. It's that easy. And if they don't want to do it, then that's on them. And then they, I, find, I tell, let them know, well, you know what, when you're ready to move forward, come back and see me. I'll be right here waiting on you, and I'll help you, and you know, welcome you with open arms. But if you're ready to go, let's go. This is what's needed to be done. Yeah, because, I mean, we're able to reverse these conditions. Over and I over mean, again. Yeah. I mean, I watch people with ridiculously high med- uh, medically elevated insulin levels, full-on type 2 diabetes, watch their insulin come back down to 4 or 5, right? Normal is, that's that's a good normal. That's, that's where you want to be, right? It's not that difficult. Right. And conventional medicine will tell you it can't be done, but it can be done. can be done. I've got countless cases. Right. But so, diabetics are some of the hardest to Oh, God, because they're addicted. They're, yep. I mean, they're addicted to the sugar. There is a addiction there, yes. It lights up the same pleasure centers as some of your most addictive you know, uh, drugs. Things like cocaine. Sugar and cocaine, they light up the same areas of the yes. brain. It's a very powerful addictive substance. And unfortunately, the food industry is using that to their advantage mm-hmm. to get you addicted to their foods. I, I mean, it's a genius model. I understand what they're doing. It's just harming health. In the country, yep. So, I want to I want to switch gears and talk just a little bit because we you know we're running out of time today. Uh, I want to talk just a little bit on some of the cardiovascular um, problems that are associated with with refined grains. So, if you're out there taking a blood pressure medication, listen up. You can you can decrease your need for that um, if you just stop eating refined carbohydrates. I don't think enough cardiologists out there recommend dietary changes positive dietary changes in a manner that that reflect improvements in the patients of whether or not they need less hypertensive medications. I can't tell you how many people come in and they tell me, oh, well, I started my first blood pressure medication 20 years ago, and then they added a second one about 10 years ago, and they just added a third one a couple of years ago, and they're still their blood pressure is still 150 over 100. Everybody knows that that's high. So it's not controlled. They're on three medications that aren't working. We just tell them, hey, you know what? This is what you've got to do. And guess what? Their blood pressure starts dropping. It's not a, it's not a difficult game. It's a simple game. But this is the stuff. This is one of the key pieces of that, that puzzle. I mean, you're disrupting the relationship between glucose and insulin. That's going to lead to high blood pressure. It's one of the side effects of insulin being not regulated. 
the body, insulin can be the bane of the human existence if it's out of control. And that's what happens. So we've got to cut out the refined carbohydrates. We've got to cut out refined flour, right? Just got to happen. Now, regular cardiovascular disease, I mean, I've talked about this on this show over and over and over again about how we've gotten the whole low-fat craze was completely wrong. The information was wrong. I've, I've gone off on Ansel Keys' research on this show before because he's the guy that basically wrote the article that, you know, he left out big, big pieces of information. And, you know, he left out studies that didn't promote the agenda that he was going, you know, that he was going for. And so we ended up with this misconception and this misperception that fats cause heart disease. And we started blaming fats for everything. And that's where the low-fat craze came in. And now we understand that that guideline is just garbage and it created a bigger cardiovascular epidemic. We have heart disease that's by far the number one killer in America. It's just ridiculous. And so we've got this article in 2017 in The Lancet, which is a very prestigious medical journal, that said that high carbohydrate intake is associated with higher total mortality from cardiovascular disease, whereas total fat and types of fat are not associated with cardiovascular disease, heart attack, or cardiovascular death. I mean, that's a powerful, powerful research article. Did anyone hear about it? Nope. And my guess is it's the first time you've heard about it, too. But, I mean, this should have been all over every morning news, every late night news. It should have been on the covers of magazines, but it wasn't. No one really talked about it. It never really made, got any traction whatsoever because we're still stuck in the low-fat craze, believe it or not. I mean, that's still the promoted diet when you have heart disease. Oh, you got to cut fat out of your diet. No, that's garbage. It's complete garbage. And there's research to prove that it's garbage. It does. It's not it doesn't work. And so how does it how does the question is then how does this flower promote heart disease? It promotes heart disease because of inflammation throughout the entire system called systemic inflammation. Why think of white flour like dry leaves being dumped on a fire. That's exactly what you're doing. Every time you're eating those those dry leaves, you're setting your body on fire even more. You're just inflaming and inflaming and inflaming and inflaming. And it's creating these negative impacts on our cholesterols. It's causing the good cholesterol in our body, the good lipoproteins, to decrease in number, the ones that can become more problematic to increase in number, and we have problems. Our liver's not making things the right way, right? And so if we change that, switch that around, and stop eating the refined carbohydrates, the refined flours, we can reduce our overall heart disease risk. It's pretty much that simple. I, I'm off my soapbox now. Do you have anything you wanted to ask? Aaron just kind of sat back in her chair. <laughs> She's no. like, Once I'm you a, said cardiovascular I'm, disease, I'm, I'm like, all right, you go I'm ahead. A, I'm going <laughs> to let him go. <laughs> she, just, she just said, okay, it's all you. But, I mean, hopefully throughout today's show you, you realize, like, this is, this is one of those things. This is something that you can do at home. We try on this show many times to come up with things that you can do at home to improve your overall health and well-being and decrease your risk for disease without actually having to come see us or some other functional medicine practitioner, right? I'm trying to give you information that you can do. If you change your shopping habits at the grocery store, if you vote with your wallet and say, you know what, we're going to stop buying refined carbohydrates, we're going to stop buying refined flours, and you stop buying the pastas, the breads, the cookies, the cakes, and you start buying more fruits and vegetables and great forms of meats, you know, all the, you know, wild-caught, grass-fed, free-range, blah, 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 all that good stuff, right? 
you start buying that switch over, you're going to see your grocery stores change. You're going to see what they carry in their stores change. They're going to carry less of what you're not buying and more of what you are buying. I mean, we see that with the whole gluten-free craze that's going on now. More and more people are buying gluten-free even though they don't, they've never been tested of whether or not they have a gluten sensitivity or if they have celiac disease. They just know that gluten's not necessarily bad, and we're seeing we're seeing this huge increase in gluten-free products available. The same thing can happen with flours and sugars. All right, that's about all the time we've got for today. So. If you want more information, please visit our website, follow us on our socials, um, go to iTunes, um, listen to us there. We, we're, we've got our podcast now on Spotify. Um, please check us out. We're, you know, shoot us an email, send us a message, call us, 314-293-8123. We love to hear from you. We've got an idea for the show. Um, please let us know. We'll, we'll try to get that out there for you. Um, so that's all about all the time we've got for today. For Aaron, I'm Dr. TJ. This has been Wellness 101. Thanks for listening.